We are in the book of Revelation and uh, chapter 17, and uh, we will we are going to read a longer uh, passage today. So we remain seated for the reading of the Word of God. So Revelation chapter 17 to the verse 10 in chapter 19. And this is the word of God. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So she carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition, and those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth, and is of the seven, and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are, are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the, to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And to the woman who you saw is the great city which regions, which reigns over the kings of the earth. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every false spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. 
for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of the fornication, and kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. <coughs> and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her, in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure gave her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth will, will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. <coughs> Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. <coughs> the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and uh, splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for her, for fear of her torment, weeping and uh, wailing, <coughs> and saying, Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who traveled by ship, sailors, and many of us trade on the sea, stood at a distance, and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city, in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, her O heaven, and you holy apostles and the prophets, for God has avenged you on her. <coughs> then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with a violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. 
the sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore, and the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints, <coughs> and of all who were slain on the earth. After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. <coughs> and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, There are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. Amen. Let the word of the Lord dwell in our hearts and let his spirit open, open it so we would understand it. Um, Sometimes it's uh, good to read uh, longer passages as well, uh, because uh, one thing is uh, this letter was meant to be read. I think uh, it was read in one sitting in the early uh, church. And uh, the other thing is uh, you never bore somebody reading the word of God. So, the context that we are in the book of Revelation, um, we saw in the first chapters, uh, we saw Jesus and the letters. Then uh, up to, uh, from chapter 4 to, uh, to chapter 16, we have seen the throne of God and the judgments that came out from her, him. And then in chapter 17 to the end of the book, <coughs> We see the harlot, we see Jesus the king and his kingdom, and we see uh, the bride. 
Um, here what we read in chapter 17 to chapter 19, uh, there is a section on the harlot and and the end we read a section about the, the bride. So there are two women that we read about. The one is the harlot and the other one is the bride. And in between we see uh, the the judgment and the destruction of uh, Babylon. So everything uh, from chapter 14 up to chapter 19, uh, according to one of the interpretations, is the same events from different angles. And uh, God's bride will be saved by the end. And uh, <clears throat> the world system and the wicked way of the man and the great Babylon and all those will be judged and will go together with uh, the beast in the abyss. So the church is personified as a bride and the wicked world, the state and the world system, the worldliness is personified as a harlot, as a prostitute. <clears throat> uh, we just saw in the previous chapters, chapter 15 and 16, the outpouring of the bowls as uh, judgments. There are seven bowls, and uh, after the seventh was poured out, an angel is coming and is showing a vision to John. And... Uh, the vision is of Babylon, the whore, and uh, we might say that this is not a continuation of uh, what have been happening before, like it's not happening after the balls, but it, it can be understood uh, as the same event from a different perspective. So why is uh, the Bible showing us uh, this uh, vision of Babylon? In order to see, for, for us to see the, the enemy of God, this world system, this uh, thing that is around us, that uh, is everywhere, this is the great Babylon as a, a prostitute. Because she takes what God had made good and blessed, and she uses it is, uh, as a immorality and uh, not inside the boundaries that God created them to be used. <coughs> In chapter 18, then uh, after her destruction, we have the reaction of uh, what happening of the fall of Babylon, the songs of lament. And then in chapter 19, the reaction of uh, God's people uh, who rejoices because, because they are free from her exile. So, this is uh, Babylon, the structure of human civilization rebelling against God. Uh, in our passage uh, today, uh, 
the question is how you survive in a world like this. How you survive living in Babylon. How you survive as a Christian. Because uh, we see that Christians are uh, celebrating her fall. And uh, there have been a, a very well-known uh, book written after the fall of Rome. You know, that's Rome, Rome fall in the age uh, of 410 AD, when the Visigoths uh, destroyed Rome and occupied it. And after Rome fell, there was uh, Augustine, who is called Saint Augustine, who wrote his uh, maybe most famous or second most famous book called uh, The City of God. And this book is uh, of uh, 22 volumes. It's uh, almost 2,000 pages, and it took 14 years for him to write. And in the first half of the book, he tries to clarify one misunderstanding that was very common in Rome in that time. Because people believed that Rome fell because uh, the Emperor Constantine, when he saw the vision of the cross, uh, he, after he, he, he won the war, uh, he converted to Christianity and Rome became Christian. And many people believe that Rome fell because they became Christian. And this is uh, what he clarifies, that uh, not Christianity is the uh, why Rome fell. And in the second half of the book, he argues that the whole period of history, from the beginning to the end, it's a battle between two rival societies. One allied to God and the other allied to Satan. One uh, is part of the king of kings and the other is part of the kingdom of the, the evil. The, he argues that there are two loves. One is prideful, arrogant and godless and the other is heavenly and self-denying. It's a tale of two cities, the city of Babylon and the city of Jerusalem. And these two cities symbolizes the whole period of history. And uh, he is arguing that all of us belong to one of the cities. You either live in the city of Jerusalem or you either live in Babylon. And which citizen are you today in this morning? Which city do you belong? We know in uh, Genesis, uh, Chapter 11, when uh, uh, people try building uh, Babel, that is the first uh, Babylon. Like, uh, even the meaning is uh, like people try to make a name for themselves, reaching God. And uh, this is the stereotype of man's rebellion against God. So, we are in chapter 17 in the book of Revelation, and we see this mystery woman who is the ruling city or the ruling power of this world. 
We read uh, her name, that Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the uh, abomination of the earth. Mystery, it's called mystery. And the word mystery in the Bible, it means an open secret. Like the Bible calls the gospel a mystery. A gospel is a mystery that was hidden from the beginning of the ages and it was made manifest after Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. We read that in the end of the book of Rome. <coughs> so mystery is something we wouldn't know unless God revealed it to, to us. And... Uh, Babylon is a mystery. We wouldn't understand, we wouldn't know unless somebody explained it to us. And the angel is explaining John, uh, and the Bible shows her her identity. And she is a great prostitute seated on many waters, seducing and intoxicating uh, the political system with her sexual immorality and so on. Uh, she is sitting on a scarlet beast and uh, who is covered in blasphemous names. And in her hand, the, she has a cup full of impurities and uh, sexual immorality. And we read that she is drunk with the blood of the saints and the martyrs of God. She is called a harlot. Now, There is a difference between an adulterous woman and a harlot. Sometimes the people of God in the Old Testament are called adulterous who, and idolatrous who turn away from God and uh, do things with others. And uh, this woman is a harlot because she, she was never married to the beast, uh, to the lamb. She is married to the beast. She is not part of God's kingdom. She is uh, part of the evil one. And we read that the angel gives the in interpretation to John. So this interpretation, this vision, how the angel interprets this vision, is a key for us how we interpret the book of Revelation or other parts of the book of Revelation. And the interpretation starts with uh, the beast in verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and will go to perdition. <coughs> this beast is the same beast that we saw in chapter 13 when uh, who faked the uh, crucifixion of, of Jesus and the resurrection. And uh, the same beast that we saw in chapter 11 or chapter 7 in the book of Daniel. And the same beast, and he is a counterfeit, uh, counterfeit uh, Christ, claiming dominion to rule on the earth and to rule on people and uh, some commentator, commentator says he is the a parody of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But it says he was and is not and is to come. 
And this same language is used uh, earlier in the book of Revelation, in chapter 1. Uh, we read about uh, God. In chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. And then later in verse 8, again, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, and who was, and who is to come. And also, we read about Jesus later in uh, verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. So the beast was, is not, and is to come. So that's the difference between uh, Jesus and the beast. The beast is already defeated. He was, and now is not. He's coming again for a short time, and is going to perdition. So, I'm not going to interpret all the verses here in these chapters because that would take us a lot of time and uh, definitely not going to interpret the, the, the beast's identity and the kings and the horns and the kingdoms. Uh, there are tons of literature out there uh, and uh, people interpret it as uh, depending on the interpretation. Is it the, the kingdoms uh, that were in the time of uh, John or up to the time of John, the Assyria, Babylon, Greek, Medo-Persia and Roman empires and the one that is coming after them? Or are they the, the emperors of Rome? And which one is the seventh or the eighth? And who are the kings that are coming to rule together with the beast? And uh, there's a lot of things that uh, people try to interpret in a lot of ways. But the point is this. We have to see that the great prostitute, Babylon, is the symbol of human civilization in rebellion against God. And this symbol is, keeps coming back again and again in the history of, of humanity. Babylon always was and always will be. It might be once, uh, just right before the coming of Jesus Christ, that there will be a Babylon that this uh, verse is actually talking about. But the idea and the symbol of Babylon is always in the world. And it's always around us. And we find ourselves fighting against her and with her. And the beast has the same character. And it says that the beast belongs to the seventh and is the eighth, but belongs to the seventh. So this is the worldview, the worldliness that's around us. So the, these symbols, the heads, the horns, the kings and the kingdoms, and the harlot and the beast, 
represent the kingdom of the world that will be um, defeated. And it says that it will be uh, become the kingdom of our Lord. So Babylon, this woman, stands for everything that is um, worldly, everything that tempts, everything that seduces, everything that lures around us, everything that draws uh, people away from God. All that steers the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life, as we read in uh, the letter of, first letter of John, chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the last of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And worldliness is not limited to 21st century Western society. Worldliness is everywhere. It's always been, and it's always will be. There is no time and there is no place where you can't find uh, these symbols, uh, the mystery woman. She's always present, because we read, she sits on many waters, and the waters are interpreted as being nations, tongues, and people groups, so it's everywhere. No people group, no generation is safe for her, from her. So who are her clients? Because she's a harlot, and her clients, we read, are the kings of this world, are the dictators, are the presidents, are the kings, the kingdoms, are the rich and the poor, everybody. Worldliness, I grew up in communist Romania, in a very traditional church, and uh, we were told, what is worldliness? Wearing uh, gold, drinking, smoking, uh, playing cards, dancing, and all these things. But worldliness is not limited to outside uh, things. Worldliness is something that's inside. It's an attitude of heart towards God. That's worldliness. It's lovelessness. It's pride. It's bitterness. It's uh, not worshipping God. Horatius Bonar, uh, one quote from him, he said, I looked for the church and I found it in the world. I looked for the world and I found it in the church. And this says a lot because the lust of the flesh the loss of the eyes, the pride of life, are in work in each of us. In a way or other, all of us are flirting with this Babylon in our own way. But then we see in uh, verse 3, uh, chapter 17, verse 3, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast 
which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So we see this woman, we see her in her beauty, in her sparkling and everything, in uh, flashy clothes and uh, uh, the paint on her face and everything just glittering around her. And she's seducing people and she's desirable. But then John says, the spirit took me, in, the angel took me in spirit to the wilderness and I saw a woman. So this woman promising a lot, but behind the scenes, it's empty. It's a desert. There's no water. There's nothing to satisfy. There's nothing to fulfill you. She dwells in the wilderness. She promises so much pleasure and satisfaction, but all it delivers is emptiness. When you drink of the world and try to dig uh, wells that hold water, that you just find it, water is gone. You did so much to achieve something and you are left with nothing. She has a golden cup in her hand and uh, it looks precious, it looks promising, but inside the cup is full of abominations and filthiness. So this woman can never satisfy you, because she rides on the beast. I want to read a few verses from the letter of James, chapter 4. Yeah. James chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So there is only two options. Are you a friend of God or are you a friend of the world? And when you look around and see people of the world and the promises of the world and everything, you see just like uh, in... Psalm 73, it's a Psalm Asaph, and he says, Oh, the Lord blessed uh, so, so much uh, Israel. But then, Asaph in Psalm 73, he says, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So he sees the wicked. They, they, they have no health problems. They have everything. They have money. They are prosperous. They live well and, and do what they want. And then he says, Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generations of your children. 
When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. He sees the world and we look around and we see the wicked prospering and all the kings of the world doing well. And maybe we are envious, maybe we want to try something to satisfy ourselves, to gain something. And then the psalmist says, when I went into the sanctuary of God and I saw their end. Maybe we see all around that the world is promising so much, but then when we go in the sanctuary of God, when the, spirit, the angel took, uh, takes us in, in spirit to the wilderness and we see the world is promising much, but is delivering so little. And then, for indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord, that I may declare all your works. We see this woman, this world system that's around us, the Babylon fall. Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, prison for every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hated bird. And this is a symbolism taken from uh, previous prophecies from Isaiah and Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And why did Babylon fall? Because for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of, the, of fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Any society, she fall because of her immorality. And any society that forgets God and wants to build an empire without God, this is the end that's looking for. All the empires that live without God, sooner or later are going to fall. This way, Babylon has fallen, Assyria has fallen, the Roman Empire has fallen, and all the empires have fallen. And even our Western civilization that's forgetting God is going to fall in the same way. But there is a warning, chapter 18, verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Come out of her, my people. This is the call of God, calling us out from this world to himself and to the other city that we will see later in chapter 19 and 20 the new Jerusalem. It's not a, we are not able to come out of her physically. Because Jesus said, I'm not praying for them, uh, for, for you to take them out of this world, but to protect them in this, from the evil one. Jesus wasn't praying for us to get out from the world and go into a monastery, but for the word to be taken out from us. And 
we see an example for this. There is Lot, who is coming out from Sodom, and his wife, physically, she came out from Sodom, but her heart was left in Sodom, and when she looked back, she perished. God wants us to be spiritually separated from this world. We read in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, Christ gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. According to the will of our God and Father. This is the will of God, that we should be uh, delivered from this present evil age. But how are we delivered from this evil age? Through Christ who gave himself for us. Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us. Through the cross, we are delivered. Through the cross, we have our Savior. And only through Jesus, we are crucified to this world. We die with him and we raise with him. So when you feel the temptation of the world, what you have to do is go quickly to the cross. Because at the cross, you see the... You see Jesus Christ who died, and you say, how can I live to the world, for the world, when I see Jesus dying for me? So by the blood that brought us, the Spirit says, come out of her and live for me. Do not be partakers of him, of her, of her sin. Then... In verse 8, chapter 18, Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. The plagues will come. Her destruction is coming. Come out of her. This is the exodus of God's people from the world from Egypt, from Babylon, from the worldly system. And all the time that God's people are coming out, they are coming out because destruction is coming either to Egypt, either to Babylon, either to any other uh, place. And then we see the wicked weep for her. The wicked people, the kings of this world, and uh, we, we read they are standing by far away and watching her destruction, and they are not hurrying to help her or to save her. And they are just, uh, they are weeping for her, they are sorry for her, but they are not really sorry for her. They are sorry for themselves, because she is not able to deliver to them any more fulfillment, any more riches. And even we read that the the end of uh, Chapter 17. So the ten horns, uh, verse 16, and the ten horns which you saw on the beast, this will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Because God has put this in their hearts and their mind. So this world system is self-destructive. It won't stand. 
It will stand for a while, but then it will uh, make uh, laws and sanctions and all those kind of things that will destroy her by the end. But we also read about the righteous. And for the righteous, the Lord says, Rejoice over her, O heaven and you holy apostles and prophets. The wicked will mourn and the righteous will rejoice. The question is, where is our heart? Do we enjoy the world? Do we rejoice for the world? Or do we enjoy God and we enjoy God? And Jesus says we can gain the whole world and lose our soul. And he even uh, gives a parable of the rich fool who says to his soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God says, yes, you have for many years. You have all of these. But one thing you are lacking, one thing you don't have, your soul been taken away from you. Jim Elliot, probably everybody knows him. In his book, his uh, uh, journal notes, his wife edited it or, or published it, The Shadow of the Almighty, he, he has a quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Nobody is fool who gives away what he, anyway, he can't keep to gain what only God can give her. And then we are in chapter 19, and we see here the four hallelujahs in the New Testament, all of them in chapter 19 in the Re Revelation. All of us probably heard the famous uh, uh, Hallelujah chorus in Handel's Messiah, and that's uh, taken from these uh, verses. Hallelujah means simply praise the Lord. So praise God for his salvation. In chapter 19, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. God saves through judgment, because true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who have corrupted the earth with her fornications. In these verses, we see a funeral, we see the destruction of the harlot, that's a funeral of her. And then later we see a wedding. Funeral and the wedding. The funeral of the world and the wedding of the Lamb. So God redeems his people from their enemies, and there is a confession here. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Why? Because he judges, and his judgments are righteous. 
there is no injustice in his uh, judgments. The, re the response uh, we see, again they said, after she is judged, her smoke, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. So her judgments are eternal. She won't recover. She never come back. The punishment has no end. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And then the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. God deserves all praise. And then praise God for he reigns. I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, the sound of many waters, and the sound of a mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Hallelujah for God reigns. And then, Hallelujah because he takes his bride, the church, God reigns means that not people anymore, not the incompetent uh, civil governments are reigning anymore, not the wicked kings or the dictators of this world. God reigns. And then the marriage of the Lamb. Jesus uh, uses uh, the kingdom of God in some of his parables and uh, he compares the kingdom to a wedding, a wedding feast and uh, being ready for the coming of the bridegroom. And according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, when he's talking about the marriage, he compares the marriage and he says that uh, the marriage actually is about Christ and his church. I was planning to read a long quote from uh, one of the books, but I'm not going to do that. Maybe just a few lines. It says, never has a bridegroom done more to qualify his beloved to be his bride. Never has a bride needed a bridegroom more. Never has there been a wedding more significant than this one. Never has a prince with more authority taken a bride with less standing. Never has a bride had a prince die for her, rise for her from the dead for her, and give to her his own standing before the father. Never has a bridegroom loved his bride more. Never has a bride waited as long for his bridegroom. Never has a bride sung more songs for her beloved. Never has there been a wedding with more guests than this one will have. Never has a wedding taken place on a more momentous occasion, the end of the overlapping ages and the ushering, of, ushering in of the kingdom. Never has there been a marriage like this one. Then verse 8, it says, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. It was granted to her. It was given to her. Because the... Bible says, work out your sanctification because God is at work in you. 
So our sanctification is the, not just the work of ours, ourselves, it's the work of Christ in us. And these are the people uh, we saw in chapter 7 of the 144,000 who washed their clothes in the blood of the Lamb. That's why they are standing in white robes there. And the white uh, clothes are the righteous deeds through faith by the Spirit. Because through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit we walk in righteous deeds that shine like white linen. In the, the epistle of Paul to Colossians chapter 3, we read, But now you yourself are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. These are the things that we must walk in. And then praise God for the Lord calls guests to the wedding. It says in verse 9, Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed means that Jesus is enough. He is the blessing. Enough to face the sorrows of this world, enough to face the sickness, enough to, say, to face the problems that, that we have to face, the persecution, maybe in, in, in imprisonment, and maybe even death. Jesus is enough in every situation. Nobody can separate us from Jesus. Nobody can take him from us. But then it says, uh, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But if the church is the bride, who are the guests? Yeah, you know the book of Revelation is a symbolic book with symbolic language. And let me say that even the Lamb is not a ram. Even the wedding might not be a wedding. And let me disappoint everybody. Maybe the streets of gold are actually not gold. Because as we saw, Babylon, the harlot, actually is not a woman. And the dragon might not be a dragon. So the church is the bride, and the church are the guests as well. So to... Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In the Jewish culture, in biblical times, sharing a supper with somebody meant uh, fellowship, meant uh, friendship and acceptance. And 
You remember in the Gospels, the Pharisees were very upset when they saw Jesus eating with the tax collectors and uh, the sinners. It means that Jesus made the gospel accessible to them, to us. Because he's sharing a meal with us, a wedding meal. And praise God, for he receives sinners. And then John says, I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Worship God. So there is an invitation. Jesus is offering his hand in marriage. He's inviting us. Will we accept it or refuse it? The invitations for the marriage supper of the Lamb are out. So you are invited. And who is invited? Those who respond to the gospel. Those who trust Christ. Those who repent. Those who receive the gift of salvation. And what is the response? John's response is worship. Because the instantaneous response to this when he was in spirit and saw this vision, was to worship. And there was the angel, and he fell on his knees, but the angel says, worship God. So let this be our response as well, to worship God. Amen.